Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Today I'm going to be talking about the difference between Jesus returning on Mount Zion versus him returning on Mount of Olives and to the regathering of the Christians and Jews back to Israel. Okay, so this was the email that I got. I was just listening to your broadcast on Revelation chapter 12. I've been studying the book of Zechariah as of late, and am still, he goes into discussing about the chapter, jumps down to Zechariah 2, 1 through 5. It says, it speaks of Jerusalem inhabited as towns without walls. I just want to know your thoughts on that. So we're really talking about three events. One is the gathering of the outcasts. There are several scriptures, many scriptures, that say that in the last days there's going to be a great gathering of Christians and Jews back to Israel. I believe that that has already started. It started back in 1948. But it's more like just drips. I mean, the finger's still in the dike. The dike is not broken yet. So what's going to break the dike? I believe that when America falls, when the Russians attack and defeats America, and probably even before that, I believe there's going to be a mass exodus of Christians and Jews. But the real dike is going to be broken. The real dam that is going to pour forth millions of people pouring back into Israel will be at the conclusion of World War III. You remember that Israel is going to get back all of her land in World War III from the Nile all the way over to the Euphrates, and that Nile is probably going to include most of Saudi Arabia, and that's going to give her also most, if not all, of the Middle East oil all into her hand. Of course, I know right now we don't need any oil, but it's not going to stay that way too long. So it's going to cause Israel to emerge, World War III, the great victor. She go back all over her land. And also, there's going to be many, many war-torn nations, most of the Christian nations around Europe, and of course, especially America. Jeremiah 51, verse 50 says, Let Jerusalem come into your mind. And I believe that that is a direct hint, though it's not a command, it's a direct hint, letting us know that when the trouble hits, where should we move to? And I will tell you this, that when this thing gets concluded and we get the money to go drill for oil in Israel, the first thing that my wife and I are going to do is go over there and pray over three areas, a northern area, a central area, and a southern area in Israel. And I believe that somehow God will make it known to us where to drill. And I believe that when we pray over that area and prophesy over it, that just like in my dream, I believe it will shake down deep. It will release oil into previously drilled wells that are today dry holes. And that will cause, just like she was told by the audible voice of God, I believe it was October 28th of 2001, that oil must come forth quickly. And, of course, that's going to use be used. This is what the prophecy said, what God spoke to her audibly, that the oil will make the Jews willing to fight for the land. The oil will also be used to build up Israel's military. She will emerge World War III, the great victor, as I said, getting back all of her land. And then there are many Christians and Jews from around the world moving back to Israel. One of the things we want to do is to set up global radio and TV, and Eddie Chumney and I have already talked about this. He is an expert on talking about the outcasts and what the Bible says about them. In other words, the people that will be moving back to Jerusalem, both Christians and Jews. 
and he's going, I'm going to bring him and put him on the TV program, and I'll let him explain to the people, here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you. We're going to make arrangements for you to move to Israel if you want to. And I believe that this will start even before the Russians attack America. But the big dike will break, obviously, as and before and during the war starting, but especially when the fall of America has taken place. There will be a mass exodus. They will be moving over to Israel. In those days, I believe that they will primarily move to the land of unwalled villages. We don't know exactly where that is, but I suspect, according to what Maurice Scalar prophesied to me and what was already laid on my heart before then, what I want to do is go to Israel and say, look, we found all this oil, and we want to make a deal. And so I'll talk to him about a deal, but I want to say, we want you to give us a large plot of land, probably someplace down in the desert where nobody wants the area. Why? Because we are going to pray over it. We are going to anoint it with oil. We're going to drive stakes with Brie Keaton, where if you know what she does there and how she walks and prays, and we are going to release the curses. And the Bible says that the desert will blossom like a rose. And so we believe that whatever area they give us, it doesn't make any difference how bad the area is pretty much. I mean, desert area, I'm sure. Then we will pray over it, and it will blossom like a rose. We will begin to bring back Christians and Jews from around the world. Uh, well, I'll even tell you one more thing. <laughs> kind of tell you all of my secrets here. But uh, one of the things I want to do is to buy an entire airline and use these planes to fly people in from around the world that are either Christians or Jews, fly them into the area, build them places to live. And I know that doesn't sound like that's kind of giving us a close uh, picture of the tribulation starting in the next few years. And as I've said, sometimes I see that the tribulation could start in the next few years. Sometimes I say, oh, no, no, it's going to be more like five, seven, who knows, maybe even 10 years. Well, no, I honestly don't know. But I'm just telling you that these are some of the things that the Lord has spoken to me to do. So anyway, we will move them to Israel, to the land of unwalled villages, which is probably going to be south and east of what is today Israel, probably down in what is today either Saudi Arabia or over in Jordan. Then, of course, we'll also be preparing a place for the woman to flee. As we talked about video that I made yesterday, it turned into a radio broadcast, Revelation 12, very important. So you do want to go watch the video. The whole video is about 40 minutes long. Got lots of fascinating pictures of Petra, and that's probably where the uh, flood is going to occur in the earth, open up and help the, help the woman and swallow the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth and all that sort of stuff. The Christians and Jews will refer to them as the outcasts, though the Christians would not necessarily be outcasts, but definitely the Jews would be outcasts that will be moving back to Israel. I believe that that is already started in a slow motion, but it's going to pick up a whole lot more. So let's go to Zechariah 2, verse 1. I lifted up my eyes again and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is the breadth thereof, and what is the length thereof. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him, and said unto him, Run, speaking to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns, listen, this is very important, as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. Well, that's right out of Ezekiel, the land of unwalled villages. Verse 11, and I'm going to summarize what it says. The land of unwalled villages, 
to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates, the desolate places that are now inhabited, upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, that's us, the Christians and Jews, which have gotten cattle and goods, that's certainly not the Israelites, but that's all the Christians and Jews that will be moving there, having their cattle and goods dwell in the midst of the land. So this is also talking about the regathering of the Christians and Jews. Verse 5, For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory of the midst of her, meaning that God is going to protect this little land of unwalled villages. That is, until the abomination of desolation, and that's when Matthew 24, Jesus speaking, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, leave. And I believe that they will go straight south down to the real Mount Sinai, and we'll get to that in just a second. I covered that yesterday, so let's go on. Verse 6, Ho, ho, come forth, flee from the land of the north, that's all of the Russians, all of the area up there. And he's talking here to the Jews. Saith the Lord, for I have spread you abroad as the four winds of heaven, saith the Lord. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest in the daughter of Babylon. In other words, this is talking about America. He's saying that the Christians and the Jews that live north of Israel, as well as those that live in America, get out. Not yet. I'll let you know when that happens. Not yet. But there'll be a time when the Spirit of the Lord will be speaking to people, and you won't be having to listen to this radio program to know he's telling you to leave. Verse 8, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. He's saying that this land of unwalled villages will be included with the protection that he's giving to Israel. For behold, I will shake my hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, that's Israel, that's also these people of land and walled villages. For lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. So this, again, this is all of the Christians and Jews from around the world that are making mass exodus of their nations and moving to Israel. And shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he has raised up out of his holy habitation. That's telling us that this is near the return of Jesus. Now let's jump to what she is referring to in Zechariah 14. Now, I'm doing this out of order because this is talking about the day of the Lord. This is talking about trumpets, which is the fifth of the seven feasts. But Jesus returns the next time on the third of the seven feasts. He returns the next time on first fruits. We'll get to that. And then the second and last time he returns will be on trumpets. This is on trumpets. This is the day of the Lord. This is the day that he returns Gather you first the tares or the sinners, bind them into bundles, gather them into cities is what it's saying. This is when he uses the breath of his mouth. He hits them with the rod of his mouth. He brandishes his sword, however you want to say it. And he uses the morning star, which is a light saber. He hits them with the morning star and they literally fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones. I'll read it to you. Zechariah 14.1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. 
and thy spoil should be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. In other words, God is bringing them down like the moth to the flame, okay? Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, what it's about to say is half of the city will be taken. But when the half of the city is taken, that's when Jesus returns. And in my opinion, that's probably when they reach the temple. That's just a guess. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. So they'll be raped. Half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. In other words, not all of them will be killed. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet, now this is important, shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Please remember that. Olives, olives, olives. Remember olives, okay? Because that's different. It's about a 30-minute trip, or a 30-minute walk, I should say, from the Mount of Olives is over to Mount Zion. In that day, in other words, the day he returns as the judge to destroy the enemies is the Mount of Olives. His feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. In other words, it will literally crack down the middle. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half towards the south. So it cracks from the east to the west. And then half of the mountain moves north. Half of the mountain moves south. Got it? And shall flee to the valley of the mountains. For the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. I do not know where that is. I've looked it up. It's hard to find. It's an ancient word. Yea, ye shall flee. Like you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come. Here it is, here it is. We like this part. And all the saints with thee. See, so that tells us that we had to be removed from the earth before this time. Yeah, we were. <laughs> About four months before this, we were removed. This is when we were taken to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll get to that in just a second. But that's proof that this is after the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this is you and I, that is, if we died before this time, that are returning with him. Verse 6. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. In other words, the sun has already been out for about 72 hours at this time. So what are we doing with the light? The answer is Jesus has returned. He literally is the light of the world. When the sun goes out, it never relights, brothers and sisters. Verse 7. But it should be one day. That's right. It's the day. Isaiah seventeen fourteen says, At evening tide they are, and the morning they are not. So the day of the Lord is just that. It is one evening and one morning, and it's not even a full morning. It's saying that in one day, he does all of this judging. In one day, he destroys all of the tares, the other two angels with the sickles, do all of the slashing, and that's the day we get our glorified body out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. That's the day that we get our crowns, our mantles, all of our rewards. Uh, that's when we see his face. That's all in one day. Busy day, huh? But it should be one day, which should be known to the Lord, not day nor night. But it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. Why? Because he returns as a thief in the night, not during the day. He returns the night. That would be Jerusalem time. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, 
half of them and toward the Hydra Sea in the summer and in the winter it will be. Why? Because that's where the New Jerusalem, the golden city, clear as glass and transparent as glass, sets down. Every valley has exalted. Every mountain and hill has fallen. The crooked places are made straight. The rough places are made smooth. And there's no more sea. At that point and on this day is the beginning of the new heaven and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. All of the mountains, all of the valleys are all filled in. There's no more sea. It's a nice, round, smooth ball, except there is one mountain and only one mountain, and that is at Jerusalem. And that's the reason this Mount of Olives splits in two, because that mountain is being formed. And then the 250-mile square New Jerusalem, the golden cube, comes down and sets on top of that mountain. And in the middle of that cube will be the light of the world, Jesus. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. So anyway, let's go back to what it says here. Verse 9, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, as in Jesus, okay? And his name, one. All the land shall be turned into a plain. Remember, it said it was a nice, round, smooth ball. From Gibeah to Ramon, south of Jerusalem, it should be lifted up and inhabited in her place. Again, that's the mountain of the Lord. From Benjamin's gate, under the place of the first gate, under the corner gate, and from the tower of Hanael, under the king's wine presses. And men shall dwell in it. There shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. And this, here it is, this is the really cool part. This is describing what Jesus does with the rod of his mouth when he brandishes his sword using the morning star. You see, Jesus is the bright morning star, but the morning star is the light that comes out of his mouth. And some of us will be able to get part of that same light because Daniel 12, 4 says, and those that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. Okay, let's go on. This shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand on their feet. Now, I know that sounds nuclear. It's not nuclear. It's the light of the Lord. And their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. And it shall come to pass that in that day, that one day, in that day, that a great tumult, or a destruction, a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. And they shall lay hold, every one on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. In other words, he makes the people that are attacking Israel begin to fight each other. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. And so shall the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, of the ass, and of all the beasts that shall be in these tents as the plague. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations. Now, notice that word nations. These are the people that did not receive Jesus, but they didn't receive the mark of the beast either. That's when he says nations, who he's talking about. Everyone that is left of all the nations, which came against Jerusalem, shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, which is another proof that all of this is concluded on the Feast of Tabernacles, as that is the only feast. And the only ones that have to celebrate those feasts, or that particular feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, are the nations. And they must come up every year, once a year, on the Feast of Tabernacles, 
or it's about to say, if they don't come up, they don't get any rain. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. Why don't we have to keep the feast of tabernacles? Because we are already living in the new Jerusalem. How do you know? Well, because and he that overcometh shall I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. Listen to again, I'll say it again. And he shall go no more out. And I write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I write upon him my new name. Now, remember, the definition of an overcomer are those people that see the beast, hear the beast, but do not worship the beast, his image, take his mark, or the number of his name, and unfortunately are probably killed as a result of it. But that's good news, because we never have to leave the New Jerusalem. We get to see the face of God. We get to sit on his throne if we choose to. It is the best blessings in heaven. And the only ones that get that choice or that opportunity are the ones that see the beast and hear the beast and refuse him. Now, that all happens on trumpets, the fifth of the seven feasts. Now, let's jump back about six months earlier. This is on first fruits. Now, let's go to Revelation 14.1. This is when Jesus returns the very next time. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion. Not the Mount of Olives. We just read about the Mount of Olives. This is the Mount Sion. And with him, 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Okay, so they play the harp. But what do they play? That's very important. We'll get to that in a second. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. I believe they are one-year-old male Jewish boys, according to Leviticus 23, I believe it's verse 10. Again, get my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. That's a major part of what I explained. For these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. What? Well, see, there's about 50 days in there that Jesus, as a lamb, in lamb clothes, the same clothes he walked around on earth, the same clothes he had fished with the disciples, same clothes that Thomas felt the nail scars, he has now come back down. You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall return in like manner as you have seen him go. It means he left as a lamb. He returns as a lamb, probably the same clothes. Follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. So these 144,000, apparently Jesus walks all over Jerusalem for about 50 days until he resurrects us. That's the wheat. The barley is first fruits. The wheat is Pentecost 50 days later. Follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the lamb. That word first fruits, that is the secret door. You find that word also in Leviticus 23.10. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth, as Jesus walks around Jerusalem for about 50 days, until we are resurrected on Pentecost, and at what time we go up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it is not about us. 
It is about Jesus, the groom. He changes from the Lamb of God to the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He changes from being the prince of the kings of the earth to become king of kings and lord of lords. He receives many crowns and a vesture dipped in blood and a white horse. And we also receive a wedding garment and a white horse four months later to return on trumpets for the grape harvest at Armageddon, where he uses the morning star to burn the tares. Gather you first the tares, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire, then gather my wheat, that's us, into the barn. All fits. All of the scriptures fit with what God showed me in the book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. I see I'm running out of time here, so let me just encourage you. Get the book. Get the book. Get the book. You really, really, really want this book. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20, but don't do that. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of five. Five for 30, 10 for 55, a case of 60 for you in a church, $250. Next thing you want to do is get Miss the Mark. Why? Because contrary to what anybody has taught you, what your pastor has told you, what you may have believed in the past doesn't make any difference. Because the Bible says, the smoke ascendeth up, and they have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast or his image or whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Meaning, if you take that mark of the beast, your son, your daughter, your neighbor, your friend, your co-worker, your best friend, if they take that mark of the beast, they can cut their hand off, they can chisel it off their forehead, but they are not only not going to go to heaven, but they are tossed into the lake of fire and brimstone with the beast, the false prophet, and Satan, and they are tormented for all eternity with no hope of escape. I'll give you the scriptures on that. won't go into that again. This book is designed to be given to anyone, even if they don't know about Jesus, they never heard of Jesus, they've never read the Bible, even if they're of another God. Give them this book, and if they'll read it, they will never take that mark of the beast. One for 20, but don't do that. We offer those in shrink wrap sets of 10. They're designed to be given away. One set of 10, 30. Two sets, 45. Four sets, 70 at prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com. Hi, everyone. This is Leslie. I want you to get a gift for your wife, your mom, your sister, your daughter, or maybe all four. I have made a special Mother's Day package of three books, two anointing oils, and my wonderful virtuous perfume. My first book is called The Perfect Touch. I wrote it because God showed me a vision of a red rose, which is on the cover, and he showed me what to put in the book. You might even want to include a rose when you give them this gift. This book helps us to recognize God is speaking to us in everyday life. The Perfect Touch Anointing Oil, which has more of a rose scent, is so beloved by many people. My second book is called Crown of Glory, which shows us how we can receive some of the crowns now, but also the ones we'll receive in eternity. My Crown of Glory Anointing Oil is a strong scented oil for praying for people and anointing your homes and even yourself. It is the oil for spiritual battles. The book More Than a Ruby is a fun book filled with laughter. It helps men and women learn how the other sex thinks and why God made us different. He made the ladies to be feminine and the men to be masculine, and that is the way it should be. It tears down many of the walls dividing marriages. This book has saved marriages. My newest perfume is called Virtuous. God helped me choose the genuine flower scents which went into this perfume. How do you tell a radio audience the perfume is awesome? Well, I'll just tell you it's awesome. It is awesome, and you will love it. I'm excited to offer it. I hope you will give it to the women in your life. That's three books, two anointing oils, 
and one perfume valued at $145 for a gift to the ministry of only $100. Order the Mother's Day gift offer at prophecyclub.com. Order it by May 1st and get it in the lower 48 states by Mother's Day, virus permitting. CornerstoneAssetMetals.com is owned by a prophecy student who reads his King James Bible and supports Prophecy Club. Call CornerstoneAssetMetals.com for gold, silver, palladium, rhodium bars, or coins. They can help you roll over your IRA, 401k, so tell CornerstoneAssetMetals.com Prophecy Club sent you. Emergency food is almost sold out everywhere. However, because of our relationship with HeavensHarvest.com, they have made an entire truckload available to Prophecy Club in a few weeks where others are totally out or waiting for months. They have all sorts of emergency supplies and food at HeavensHarvest.com. Their food comes in square stackable buckets, breakfast, entree, protein, fruits and vegetables. HeavensHarvest.com makes it easy to order. I recommend you have at least 12 months of food for each person in your family. Receive a free box of heirloom seeds when you enter the promo code STAN. That's HeavensHarvest.com, promo code S-T-A-N. HeavensHarvest.com, promo code STAN. You can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at WatchProphecyClub.com. Download our free app from the App Store. 